Welcome to the sermon podcast from Church at the Well in Towson, Maryland. To learn more about Church at the Well, visit our website, thewellbaltimore.com. And now, here's today's sermon from our pastor, Dane Carraway. First, I'd like to thank everyone who helped get things set for church, especially today. You're here every every Sunday, making sure that things are are in place. And today, I want to just offer a special thank you. Our pastor isn't isn't here today, and having worked with, with many pastors, I know that one of the things that's always on their mind is, how are things going to go when I'm not there? And it's great that everyone continued on the same beat and made sure things were were working and everything was in order. So thank you to everyone who was here to make sure things are going well and things that you continue to do throughout service. If this is your first time with us or your first time in a long time, we again welcome you to Church at the Well. My name is Leon Thomas. In the absence of our pastor, Dane Carraway, I again, again welcome you. And Pastor Dane, I want to thank you for, for the opportunity to deliver the message today. If you would please turn in your Bible or on the app, let's go to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 7 through 10. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10. It reads, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whosoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Let's pray. God, we love you, and we thank you for blessing us in in so many ways. And God, I ask that you allow this message to be a source of strength and encouragement for those that stand in need of it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The subject of today's message is, your harvest will come if your harvest will come, if. Many refer to that block of scripture as the reap and sow scripture. And my first experience with someone using the terms reap and sow happened when I was a little boy growing up in Catonsville. For those of you that aren't aware of the Baltimore area, Catonsville 
is on the southwest part of Baltimore County, about 10 to 15 minutes from the BWI airport. If you were to get on the Beltway and drive south from here, get off at exit 15, exit 15 west, and on the left side of Route 40 is where I grew up. I grew up in a neighborhood called Holly Manor, Beaumont. And Holly Manor, Beaumont was a U-shaped connection street. You go down Holly Manor, take a hard turn and come up Beaumont. Or you could go down Beaumont and make a hard turn to come up Holly Manor. Both streets were downhill. And what all of the kids in the neighborhood used to do, either on our bikes or on skates, we would race around the neighborhood from the top of Beaumont, down the hill, around the hard curve, and up to the top of Holly Manor, and yay, I won! And sometimes what would happen is that as we're going down the hill and we're making that turn, we would fall on our skates, we would fall off the bike, and we'd get back up and keep going. And there was a, an old lady, an old church lady. And, and I'm going to, I want you to stereotype just for a minute. An old black church lady who on the days that she was ushering in her traditional black church, she wore her white ushers uniform. And other days she wore the big hat. We all called her the church lady. And so as we would go around that curve and sometimes fall, she would say, y'all better stop, you're gonna hurt yourselves. Yeah, 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 and we keep going, and we keep going. So the first time one of us fell, it was my friend Keith. Keith fell, busted his head, elbow, leg, I think he broke three or four body parts, and she's sitting on the stoop of her house, and she says, uh-huh, you reap what you sow. She didn't offer to help. You reap what you sow. And so here's a church lady saying you reap what you sow. So as a little boy, that was my first remembrance of someone saying you reap what you sow. That's a church lady saying that. I thought reaping and sowing was about negative consequences. If you don't do, this is what's going to happen. It wasn't until I got older that I recognized the concept of reaping and sowing can be positive. And that's what I want to talk about today. I, I come with a, a positive message a positive message of encouragement related to this scripture and the concept of sowing and reaping. Now, if you don't get anything else from this message, know this, that in our Christian walk, we can't stop doing good things. If we keep doing good things for the right reasons, we will 
be rewarded with a harvest if we don't give up. Success at anything is not an accident. Success just doesn't happen. If you want to have success at anything, you need to have the proper motive. You need to sow good seed. In other words, you need to do good. You need to plant good seeds. You need to be prepared and you can't grow weary. And in due time, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. For many years, I traveled to speak at conventions and conferences. I taught people to sell a lot of different things. In the hotel business, I taught managers how to run better hotels. I was on the speaking circuit. I used to go to Vegas, LA, Orlando, you name it, routinely and talk on stages about how to run better businesses. And the one thing that no matter who I was talking to, what the subject was, I would always say, you have to do things the right way and success isn't going to happen overnight. It's not going to just snap your finger and it's going to happen. You're going to have to wait. You're going to have to continue to do good things. And that's the same thing in our Christian walk. It just doesn't happen. If you do what you're supposed to do for the right reasons, God will reward you with a harvest. Think about an apple tree. An apple tree starts as a small seed and grows to become a tree that produces branches of apples for many, many years. And that apple tree produces a harvest that benefits the owner of the tree that they can sell the apples, but also to those of us that eat them for nourishment. One of the things that I learned also growing up was some lessons from my father. I also learned some things from my mom. My mom passed away a little over a year ago. Dad went home to glory about 22 years ago. And as he got older, he would share stories with me of things that happened in our family. And as I look back on the stories that he shared, he was actually sowing good seeds. He was sowing good seeds, doing good things that he later benefited from or that he didn't benefit from at all. One of those is this. An aunt of mine, my mom's sister, moved from North Carolina to Baltimore to attend college. She had living arrangements all set up. And when she got to Baltimore, the day before classes, the person that told her you can live with us reneged and said, no, you can't live here. And my dad said, come on, live with us. Come on and live with us. That's my aunt, Christine. She's 88 years old now. And when my father was diagnosed with a brain tumor almost 50 years after offering her a place to live and she continued to live with us, she was there to help my mother take care of my dad. 
And my father said, you see, that's a seed that I planted 50 years ago and I'm benefiting from it now and the family benefited from it. You see, sometimes the plant we, the, the seed we plant now isn't something we're going to see the outcome of. It's later on that there's a benefit from it. Now, I'm gonna give you a, another example of sowing good seeds and reaping a harvest that we're all experiencing right now with our own eyes in this church. And it's about our pastor, Dane Carraway, and his wife, Mrs. Carraway. Now, Pastor and, and Anna, I'm going to preach to you right now. I know that, Pastor, you told me that you were going to download today's podcast and you were going to listen to it on the way home. So I'm counting that you, you, you did that. And Brother Fred, thank you for what you do to make sure that our podcasts are available to the world because the world needs to know about what, what's going on here at Church at the Well. So, so Pastor, Pastor and Mrs. Carraway, this part is for you, but since all of you are here in our sanctuary right now, you can listen in too. You can listen in. And if you listen on a podcast, you can, you can pay attention. Here's what I, I have to say to you, Pastor. You and your wife have been praying about this church. You've been working on this church and planning for a long time. You moved to Towson to start a church during COVID. And I want you to know this. I want you to know that many have been blessed because you started this church. Pastor, you and your wife and many others have been sowing good seeds here and the harvest has already started and there's more to come. Pastor, I wanna encourage you to continue to listen to God. Whatever the harvest, ha whatever God has as a harvest for you and this church, trust in the Lord and it will happen. Keep planting good seeds. But pastor, please keep this in mind. God provides harvest in many ways. A harvest for a church doesn't have to be a big building. It doesn't have to be a sanctuary that is packed with three services on Sunday and one service on, on Saturday evening. There's more ways to receive a harvest. Pastor, keep your eyes open, your mind open, and trust in the Lord for the harvest that God has for this church. And that will, in turn, allow us to serve and minister to more people in Towson and Baltimore. Pastor, many are blessed from what you're doing. Not only those of us that call church at the well our church home, but those outside of the church. 
Many outside of the church have been blessed by what we're doing here. Think about the backpacks and the school supplies that we're giving away. Think about the steadily increasing numbers of children that attend Vacation Bible School. Think about all the ways this church has been a blessing to Towson and Baltimore. You see, this church, although new, is having an impact. Now listen, y'all congregation, you need to know this. Our pastor is the real deal. He's the real deal. You need to know that. As I've served with pastors for a long time in official and unofficial capacities, I've had some deep behind the scenes conversations with pastors. I know the time, effort, dedication, struggle, and prayer that comes with being a pastor and the pastor's wife. In congregation, let's continue to love our pastor. Let's continue to love his wife and his children, Cole, Chase, and Camilla. Let's continue to do what we can to support what God has led them to do. Let's pray for our pastor that he will always trust in the Lord. Let's pray that God will provide the harvest that's right for this church. And let's pray that God will continue to lift him up and continue to give him the vision for this church. And let's continue to use our gifts and talents to support what's happening here. The concept of sowing and reaping is a biblical conditional promise. If, then. Brooks running shoes. Brooks running shoes. I have on a pair right now. Brooks, Brooks running shoes. My wife, Maserian, and I, we, Maserian and I wore Brooks when we ran in the 2018 Baltimore Half Marathon. Hey, there's a medal right here. We trained in, in Brooks. We did it, and they have a guarantee that you can wear their shoes for 90 days. 90 days, and if you don't like them, you can return them. If you don't like them, you can return them. You can wear them for 90 days. Brookstone used to be a retailer that's, that's in malls, that used to be in malls. And they used to have a lifetime guarantee on their products. One night at one of our community circles, I talked about this wallet. If you want to hear the story of that, let's talk after church. I'll go into the details about this wallet. But I bought it from Brookstone. And the wallet tore. And I went back to Brookstone and I said, Lifetime guarantee, this store. And they said, we're not honoring it anymore. I said, oh, no, no, no. You said you are. I didn't send an email. I didn't send a letter. I went old school. I sent them a fax. And they actually responded to the fax and said, while we don't have that guarantee any longer, since you bought it way, 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 way back when, we will honor it. How much did you pay for it? Like 25 bucks. They sent me a gift card for 25 bucks. See, they stood by what they said. Many of you know that I coach racquetball. I teach kids how to play racquetball. And I even make a promise to parents there. I make a promise. 
I tell them that if you bring your kids consistently, they will have fun and they will learn the basics of the game, but you need to show up consistently. Now, all of those are good promises, but the promise you should put your beliefs in are the promises that you hear and read in the word of God. Many of the promises in the Bible are conditional if-then statements. If you do this, then God will do that. And when God says he's going to do something, it's a real guarantee he's going to do it. And here are some of the conditional promises we find in the Bible. We go to 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It's a definite, he will, not maybe, not might. The word says, he will. He will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. But notice the condition that's set in the beginning of that scripture. It says, if you. So there's something we have to do. In Romans chapter 10, verse nine, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And again, notice, you will be saved, not might, not maybe, it says you will, but there is a condition, if you. In Malachi chapter three, verse 10, it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not be room enough to store it. Now, un- understand this. When you, when you tithe and bring that first 10% to the church, there is a benefit for the church. It helps the church. But if you read on in that scripture, you'll see what I call a WIFM, W-I-F-M. What's in it for me? And if you go to verse 11, it says, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is right, says the Lord Almighty. Or paraphrase, those two verses say, that if you tithe, God will bless you more than you can imagine. And God will have your back in other areas. He'll protect and safeguard that 90% you have remaining. But the condition set forth is to receive this, you have to tithe. Those scriptures are just some of the biblical promises with conditions in the Bible. And in our subject text, we find another biblical conditional promise written in the letter that Paul wrote 
to the Galatians. The promise is, if we do good and don't give up, we will reap a harvest. And there are many themes and reasons that Paul wrote this letter. And today, we don't have time to unpack them all because I don't think you want to be here until midnight. And I don't either. But also, I'm looking forward to going to famous Dave's after church with my doll and wife. We talked about it last night. You know, some families go through to where are we going to eat? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And that's an endless discussion. Oh, that got taken care of last night. We're going to Columbia. I'm eating ribs and corn on the cob at famous Dave's. So selfishly, we cannot go through the whole book of Galatians today just for me. All right, y'all stick with me now. Just for me. Because I want to get I want to get to the ribs. But we're going to give you, I'm going to give you a basic overview. You see, Paul was preaching the, the good news of Jesus Christ to, to the Galatians. And many of them believed and converted and understood that salvation came only through faith in Christ. Then once Paul left them, he later found out that the Galatians had been visited by others teaching false doctrines and that the people in Galatia were believing these false teachings. So as soon as Paul heard about this, he wrote a letter to the Galatians in hopes of getting them back on track. Now, can't you just see Paul now? He's back in Antioch, and after being on the road a long time, then he gets word telling him what's happening. Now, I know that we don't write a lot of letters now, right? Back then, letters was a, a common communication method. We don't write a lot of letters or notes or get written things these days. A lot of our communication is electronic to text messages and other electronic communications. But imagine someone or a group that you've been working with is doing fine while you're with them. And then soon as you leave them, you receive a text, an email, you see a video or a Facebook post that indicates that the very people you had been working with and had them on the right track, they abandoned what you taught them. If you really care about those people you were working with, most of us would be upset and disappointed at what they were doing. Especially if you put all your heart and soul into teaching them. Parents, think about the times you tell your children over and over again, don't do that, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that, do this. And then in front of your face, they're doing all the right things or teachers think about it. And then you turn your back and they're not doing what you told them. Think about how disappointed you are and how sometimes you have to take a deep breath and just go, and you hold it and you say, oh, I'm not gonna go off on them yet. Right? You know, we, we hold it in. That's what Paul 
was going through here. He was disappointed in, in what he heard. He even wrote them and, and said that in, in chapter one, verses six and seven, Paul says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. And you're turning to a different gospel, which really is no gospel at all. And he goes on to say, evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. You see, Paul was exasperated. He was disappointed because the people were falling for junk. It's like he was saying, come on, people, don't fall for that. No, don't do that. In chapter 1, verse 10, you can read about Paul letting the Galatians know of his motivation for teaching them, that his motivation was to please the spirit and not to please man. The false teachers that came, they tried to cast doubts in the minds of those that Paul was, that Paul was teaching. They tried to cast doubts on Paul, Paul's message as well as the messenger. So Paul in chapter one, verses 11 and 12, reestablishes his credibility. He says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I didn't receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, look, I don't know where these other teachers got their information from, but they didn't get it from the source like, like I did. In chapter 6, verse 11, we learn that, that Paul wrote all or part of this letter in his own hand. And many of the other letters were written by scribes, but Paul wrote most or all of this himself. If we look at verse six, chapter six, verse 11, it says, see what large letters I use as I write to you in my own hand. Now think about this. When you get a letter from someone, a handwritten letter, there's a reason they're writing it by hand. It's something of, of importance that you need to pay attention to. When I was in college in Pittsburgh, and I never became a Ravens fan because the Ravens weren't existing, then it was the Colts, but what's well, another story? Let me stop. I went to college in Pittsburgh. My parents bought me a car my sophomore year, a brand new car a Buick Skylark with a bench seat, an AM FM radio with digital readout. Oh, it was, it was tight. I was looking, I didn't have an armrest that I could lean though, but I used to put pillows in there. I had the Detroit Gangsta lean. It was hot, it was hot, right? And so I drove the car. I'm going everywhere. Don't tell anybody, but I stopped going to classes. I was driving that car everywhere. 
everywhere. And my dad, when I used to talk to him just once a week, he would say, make sure you change the oil. Yeah, dad, got it. I'm gonna change it. We good, we good. I'm driving. I think I went 27,000 miles without an oil change. Going up a hill in Pittsburgh, it's called Green Tree Hill. Any of y'all ever been to Pittsburgh? There's a lot of hills in Pittsburgh. I'm going up Green Tree Hill and the car starts smoking in the front and the back. There's smoke coming out everywhere. I pull over to a gas station and I don't know why I called one of my friends. We, his nickname was Vic. Okay, I'll tell you why we call him Vic. When we first went to school, he got a buzz haircut and had on a white t-shirt. He looked like a convict. So we shortened his name to Vic. That's how we started calling him Vic. His real name is Mike. We just started calling him Mike like five years ago. Anyway, so I call Vic and I say, man, my car's smoking. He says, where you at? I tell him where I am. He shows up. This mechanic comes out and he looks all in the engine, puts the car up. He does all of this stuff and he says, you busted a rod. Now, I don't know cars. I go, what? You've busted a rod. I go, what's that mean? He says, when's the last time you changed the oil? I haven't. And that guy goes, oh. So now I say, what do I have to do? He says, you need a new engine. So I called my dad. I said, Dad, there's something wrong with the car. He says, what's wrong with it? I said, I don't know. This guy said you, I busted a rod. You busted a rod? Boy, did you change the oil? I said, no, I, I didn't change. Well, there's the problem right there. I'm going to give you an engine. I'm going to pay to get you a new engine. But you remember to change the oil. So Dad buys me a new engine. And he's already paying for college. Dad was a sky cap at the airport. Used to make crazy money in tips. Listen, I was blessed growing up. I took my driving test in a Cadillac. I was pretty blessed growing up, right? Absolutely. I, I was, God bless me. God bless me. All I had to do was change the oil. I didn't change the oil in the second engine. I drove it home. And dad goes out to check the oil and he says, there's no oil in here. He says, all right, I'm not going to give up on you. We're still good. I'm not giving up on you. We're going to take the car to the shop to make sure everything's in good order. Then you drive back to Pittsburgh, make sure you put, make sure you change the oil. So he got me set. I drove back to Pittsburgh and I got a handwritten letter from dad. The handwritten letter was written, and you know when you're mad at someone, you're writing it hard? Some of you do this now when, you, when somebody irritates you at work and you're sending an email to them. Don't you hit those keys kind of hard sometimes? They don't feel that when they receive the email in case you didn't know. Heads up. Pop, 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 pop. They don't know that. Right? Okay, so we use big caps and bold. I get it. Okay. So, dad is writing. If this car breaks down, I'm not buying another engine. You're on your own. And it's like, it, that was like four pages because he used big, thick 
letters. And I said, all right, dad, I got the message. I got it. And now I asked my wife, I asked my sons, hey, how you doing? Everything good? Yeah, change your oil. Everything good, change your oil. How am I doing that? Because I learned it from dad. That's what Paul was doing here. He's saying, look, y'all, I'm irritated with you, so I'm sending you a letter in big, thick English writing so that you know I am serious. Paul was mad, but he didn't give up. He didn't give up. Now, Paul thought the Galatians were impatient and were expecting immediate wins from doing good. So in the subject verse, Paul encouraged the Galatians to keep doing good and to not give up. You see, the false teachers had started convincing the people to give up on the message of salvation that Paul preached and taught them. And Paul didn't want them to give up. So in chapter six, verse nine, Paul says, let's not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You see, if you're doing good and you're doing good for others and doing good for all the right reasons, we are promised a harvest. Now the harvest comes in in different ways to different people. What's a harvest for me may not be a, a harvest for you. But the key point and the key phrase is, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now I'm gonna give you three points of application that will help you to stay focused and not grow weary. The first one is to pray. Now that sounds simple, right? Pray, but pray for what? Let me give you, give you some things you should pray for. One, ask God for strength. Ask him to give you the endurance to not give up. Ask him to provide opportunities of respite to regroup, re-energize, and, and refocus. You see, in our, in our pre-service meeting, I, I told the team that I was so happy to see everyone serving because we can give that report to our pastor so that he can take some time to regroup, refocus. He needs a break too. And because of what we were able to do today, he can have confidence in doing that. There's a bigger, bigger picture here. We're helping someone else and, and his family. Here's the next point. Ask God to shield you from distractions. Ask God to keep you focused on continuing to sow good seeds. Ask God to not put any hindrances in your way. You heard me talk about my wife and I doing the, the half marathon back in 2018. We had practiced, prepared for six months. We have did as many as 14 miles on the NCR trail. 12 of those one day was done in a pouring down rainstorm. We look like fools. But 
We had to do it. So here we are on race day. And if you've never run a race, race day is the funnest time. It's race day and we're doing our thing. We're moving and we get to Lake Lake Montebello in Baltimore. And this lady behind us, now we're at like mile nine of 13. This person behind us says, you mean we have to go all the way around there? Now look, Two miles straight, two miles in a circle is still two miles, right? But it got in my head. Oh, we have to go all around there. And suddenly, right at that moment, my legs were hurting. My neck was hurting. My, stuff on my body that I didn't even know I had was hurting because that distraction got into my head. Pray that God doesn't allow that to happen to you. Now, pray also that God provides people that will encourage you. Ask God to place people in your life that will give you encouragement and support. While at the same time, it's important for you to be an encourager to everyone that you meet. You don't know. None of us know where anyone else is on their seed to harvest circle and how us saying something positive can be an encouragement to them that causes them to stay on the road to success, to continue to plant good seeds and to not give up. The next big application point is this, be on guard. Be careful of what you read. Be careful of what you watch. Be careful of what you listen to. Next, stay away from everyone that hints at saying anything other than you can make it, you will reap a harvest. Anyone that you come around that tells you anything other than that, go in the other direction, leave them alone. You need to be around people that believe in Ephesians chapter three, verse 20, that says, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Be around people that say you can make it. Spend time with people that believe in you and believe you can achieve. And next, don't let non-believers change your mind about what you know about God. The non-believer, they don't know. Don't let them convince you that what you're doing, your seeds that you're planting aren't gonna benefit you. How do they know? Don't listen to them. You do what you think is, is right. Finally, Ben, you can come on up. Recognize that sometimes that the seed that you're planting is really not for you at all. Others benefit from you not giving up. You sowing good seeds today can help others today and for years to come. You and not giving up can be an example for others. As I've gotten older, I've learned that many of the decisions I make 
And much of what goes on in my life isn't, isn't about me. It's about how my sowing can help others now and in the days ahead. There are some in your life that need you to not give up. They're counting on you to not give up. You not giving up could be the exact motivation that they need to see because people are watching us. When others see your steadfastness and they see you in your perseverance and you not giving up, you're actually teaching others by example. Pray, be on guard. Remember, it's not always about you. Remember, you are sowing seeds for a harvest and it's up to God to decide when and how that harvest is manifested. But know this, a harvest will be reaped if, if you don't give up. God bless you. You just listened to a message from Dane Carraway, the pastor of Church at the Well in Towson, Maryland. To learn more about our church and to support what we're doing in the greater Baltimore area, visit our website, thewellbaltimore.com. Thank you for tuning in to the sermon podcast from Church at the Well. May God bless you.